0: My name is Clay Toomey, and I am an ambassador for Enneagram Prison Project. As we approach our 10th anniversary, we thought it'd be fun to sit down and have a chat with all the people who've had a major impact along the way with EPP. We upload new episodes on the 12th of every month, so if you're wondering why you're hearing from us today, here on the 30th, well, today is Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving here in the States, and it is a global generosity movement unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. Thanks to the generosity of a donor just like you, on Giving Tuesday, EPP is doubling the impact of every donation, dollar for dollar, up to $100,000. Funds will support EPP's ability to expand our programming, including piloting our eight module curriculum with those experiencing incarceration at facilities and in regions that are new to us. For more information and to make a gift, check us out online at enneagramprisonproject.org. On today's episode, I speak with Robin Grant and Dr. Heather Greenwald. Robin is a graphic designer and an EPP guide. You might also know Robin from the many mentions here on the podcast. He is the person that I hand off these recordings to each month just to make sure that everything is nice and clean and appropriate and ready for the listening audience. Dr. G, as many of us ambassadors call her, is the chief of mental health at a maximum security prison we first met her three years ago i believe at the ia conference in cincinnati she's quite interesting and also just a lot of fun to sit and chat with i hope you enjoy today's bonus episode of the enneagram prison project podcast a little surreal because i feel like i give this pre 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 (laughs) episode you know speech to everybody and i don't always remember what i cut out when i give it to you and so i'll just tell you the same thing that that might be cut out sometimes when i send it to Mm -hmm. you is that all this can be deleted Mm -hmm. i'm going to send this to the wonderful robin grant (laughs) after we're done (laughs) and then he will fix anything that i miss um but yeah this is this is really cool. I'm, I'm glad you're sitting down with us. And yeah. as you know, we've already started. This is how we roll. So tell us who you are, what you are, where we are, anything that
1: you think is relevant.
0: Sorry. And then we'll just figure out what there is to chat about.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Clay. This is uh, surreal because I'm usually in the back shop, uh, listening to podcasts and loving them. I am um, Robin Grant. I am a graphic designer working with the Enneagram Prison Project. I'm also a guide and i've been with the project for probably it's just been 3 years now so um
0: what of those titles like what give me some chronology if 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 what came first and then what did you add <laughs> next cuz you do a lot you, and even and i know you said like graphic garden like mm-hmm. all the things this, it this describes to a certain point but you do a and I think this is an actual, uh, this might be metric, but I, you do a shit ton <laughs> of stuff for EPP. Yeah. What came first? How did you get involved? What, what is your entry point into uh, into that? And sure. then, you know,
1: more recently, I think, is when you became a guide, right? It is, that's correct. So I started with EPP as a graphic designer, and I have a multimedia design background. I was working in freelance design, and I was not really feeling fulfilled, um, and I loved the enneagram, and I was studying the enneagram on the side, as we many of us do. And I had this moment in my life where I said, I really feel like I would be more fulfilled if I was doing design with the enneagram. I don't know who needs a designer in the world, but I'm here, and I wanna, I wanna design with what I'm passionate about. Wouldn't it be great if I woke up in the morning, and I could just, you know, work on enneagram diagrams and work on instructional design around the enneagram. So I had put that intention out into the universe, and um, I actually came to the place where the current job that I had was freelancing in design, and I I said I am going to not continue doing this, and I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, but I was, I was kind of at the end of my of my journey with with that profession uh, as far as freelance. Yeah. So um, yeah, I took a plunge and put some, forked some money out to go to an IEA conference <laughs> Yeah, <they cheat. laughs> I looked at my budget I was like oh I don't know if I can and I'm really glad that I did because I got a chance to meet Susan at yeah. the IEA conference do you remember what year that was so that would be I think uh 2019 or uh, there's a gap year with, the, yeah. with COVID it so messed I, everything <laughs> up. I messed so. everything up yeah I was talking to
0: Dr. G earlier, or Heather. I, we don't remember either what year it was that, that some of us met. It's 2018, 2019. It's, they all kind of run together, and COVID makes it even harder <laughs> to re, to remember clearly. Yeah. I'm curious about something, and this has, you know, I'm just a nosy question, so feel free to answer or to just tell me mind my own business. But when you, you talk about leaving the profession as a freelance artist, um, or, or uh, that coming to an end, I mm-hmm. think is the phrase that you used. And I'm, I know I'm a musician, so I know about being an artist and I know about trying to pursue an income from that. Mm -hmm. And there comes a point or there came a point for me where I didn't, uh, I no longer wanted to pursue that for, for my own reasons. And I always wonder, is there, is it, is it possible to pursue an art that is also a career? and that you have to look at as a job, quote unquote, Mm. but it's also, I mean, you're clearly an artist. Like you're not just someone who does things well. You're Mm. an artist. You do things that are artistic. Mm. And I wonder, and again, it's just a nosy question, but is it, is it harder? Did they really start the music? Are we just going to roll with it? I think we can just roll roll with it. it. We we have a background (laughs) track. now? All right. Um, it's it's a party at the Alessic house. We didn't say that. We're we actually context. At, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. So we're partying, whatever. But <laughs> the the question about art and making a yeah. living from it is is it is it hard to do? Like from not not necessarily from a technical standpoint of can it be done? I mean, but mm-hmm. like mentally, emotionally, what's it like being an artist and trying to turn that into an mm-hmm. income? You know, like a revenue stream.
1: Yeah, good question, and I, I get that question often, and um, it's a uh... I wasn't always encouraged to pursue an art career. Um, where I grew up uh, it was kind of a rural area that didn't have uh, strong arts influence and in programs. But I was drawing ever since I was a toddler. I was drawing on the walls, the basement. You, Did know, you get in trouble for that. Uh, well, it was the basement, so okay, it was, gotcha. uh, not too too bad. But you know, it was cute, and I think it was fine. Um, but always, uh, art was my escape. art, art was my um, expression. express myself i had a hard time as a kid socializing i was bullied a lot and so i was very introverted i'm a type four and um i spent a lot of time on my my imagination and in my creativity and i honed some skills doing that for sure i would say to answer your question i had to i decided in my life that um pursuing a few other professions like teaching was one of the options sort of in certain regions it's like well you could be you know government worker or a teacher or a post office worker or nothing, nothing wrong with any of those jobs or professions but not at the expense of your own personal passion yeah. right so that's what you're passionate about absolutely 100 percent, but that was not what i was passionate about i wanted to design and so i was kind of the starving artist for a while certainly starting out yeah and not knowing how to value myself not and that's knowing, a thing too yeah <laughs> it, not, it is a real thing not knowing how to place value on yourself so um I had to have a part of me that was determined to do the thing that I loved and uh, grow grow from that and so um, I had several years of learning growing doing not making a lot of money but being happy yeah when I was with my craft
0: how much of art is influenced by not being happy like if you if you're if if there's a lot of pain in the art that you make Mm. do you risk losing your
1: art when you find some level of happiness um, I think I'm understanding the question. It's like, would you be like if I'm if I'm doing my art in a career that's not or fully my passion? Career,
0: uh, hobby, whatever. You know, if I'm a songwriter mm-hmm. and and I'm just I'm I'm just devastated by life, mm-hmm. and and as a result of that, this beautiful art comes, and then I meet people who make me happy, and mm-hmm. now I'm struggling to write a song. Oh, okay, like you know what I mean. Like whether it's as a career. Or just something I do for fun? Like, have you ever found, and I'm, I mean, I'm not, there's, it's not a leading question that I'm looking for the specific sure. answer of. I'm just, it's just a curiosity yeah. that popped in my head. Like, if, if you're, you know, cause you said you're four, and the, and the, and the stereotype for the four in my head a lot of times is there's a lot of darkness. There's, you know, and I have a four wing too. So mm-hmm. there's, not only do I see it in others, but I see it in myself that darkness is a comfortable place, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times. Yeah. And so if my art comes from that darkness, do i risk losing my i don't play music anymore i Mm -hmm. i stopped doing music around the time i went to prison and i haven't really done that much since i got out of prison and i don't really have a desire to frankly Mm -hmm. and i i I, i've never analyzed it to this extent but i i guess there is a little part of me wondering like am i too happy to make good art is that an absurd question (laughs) to even ask
1: so, I don't know. I'm saying these words out loud. What do, what do you think when you hear them? Well, I think it's really a, a really interesting question because I, what I'm hearing you saying is like sort of art comes from pain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, that is true. It does come from pain. But from my experience, art comes – there's a life-giving source that comes from making art. So, I draw a lot of cartoon, comic-based characters that okay. um, are inspired around the Enneagram. And That's another sort of side passion that yeah. I have. Um, and. When I'm in that space and there, I'm drawing those and creating those, it's just a life force that's flowing through me. It's like I don't sense time. There's a disconnect from rea- a certain kind of reality, and I'm in a flow state. Art making is really a flow state space. So to make a career out of a flow state space, <laughs> thumbs up on that. I think we should all find a flow state yeah. space and make, make our careers out of it. That's just that's being in the moment, being in that creative space. So sometimes pain... We, sub, we call it like sublimation. It's like finding a creative outlet to get our, our stuff out, right? So it's, we write a song and, and we put our heart into it and it's amazing and or we'll draw or, or paint or something and sublimate. But with that also is there is some kind of a creative force I think we all have and we get into those flow states and so we can just sense we're transitioning from one kind of a reality to a creative reality that is very soul-nourishing space to be in. And so that's, that's the kind of creative space i love to be in and i have pain sometimes like everyone um but i don't escape into art to manage that pain gotcha. i think it's processing pain in a different way in my life now gotcha than before.
0: thanks for entertaining that with me because mm-hmm. i it, it's a, it's an aside from what i want to talk to you about sure. but it was it's it's that's part of the joy of the podcast and this, and <laughs> this is know. probably going to be like a little bonus upload <laughs> like we might not wait till the 12th to include this um uh so i don't know i just i i love talking to like it's it's hard like i don't see you as someone who is good at drawing i see you as an artist and your and your art manifests itself in visual ways and so it's it's i i i wish we had more hours to just (laughs) just sit and hear me be nosy about that stuff but coming back to and then maybe we'll do that down the road sometime Mm. um but coming back to where you met Susan. At the IEA conference yeah. a, f- a couple or a few years ago. We'll just leave it at that. Um, 2018 or 2019, maybe. Probably mm-hmm. 20... Was it the Oakland one? Uh, it was the Cincinnati. I was oh, living Cincinnati. in Cincinnati at the time. So that was... Uh, God, I'm not even going to pretend to remember. I, I I was there, and I don't remember what year it was. So you met her. Mm-hmm. You were looking for someone. Uh, you were looking to get into art, uh, specifically with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. What was what was the first conversation like with with Susan or with anybody in EPP of of saying hey, I mean I'm going to paraphrase but I imagine it went something like yo I got skills you you need smart I don't know why I just totally changed my accent there because you don't talk like that but I went to Jersey for some reason um, or New York or wherever I don't know I'm probably blaspheming all kinds of groups of people right now but is that how it went or was it more like just trying to dip, did you just like dip your toe in the water and just kind of eased in? Or how Like, how did that go? What was the process?
1: It was, well, it was really casual and it was really unexpected. So I was literally crossing the street and I made contact with my good friend, Dorothy Haddock, mm-hmm. who is Halita Haddock's mom, who I'm good friends with for many years. And H- Dorothy said, Robin, come meet Susan. And they b- were talking about me, I think, um, a little bit with each other. And so they kind of, Susan kind of had a soft land with kind of knowing a little bit about who, who I am. Mm-hmm. was. So, we walked into the conference, and it was super we were just walking side by side, just we were like on our way to whatever event we were going to that yeah susan, yeah, and we yeah. and she, and she was so lovely, and just we just had like a casual, easy conversation, and she said, so you know she asked me some questions like, so, what do you do, and what are you about and <laughs> i was I was just sharing from my heart and i and I don't remember all the words that I said, honestly, it was a kind of a brief conversation, but I said, Susan, I'm just." I'm really passionate about the Enneagram and, and I'm an artist and I want to do this. I want to work. I want to bring my, my art passion to, yeah. to the Enneagram world somehow. And, and I would love to talk to you about what the possibilities could be with working with EPP. And that was kind of the end of it. We had another brief little exchange and then we parted and went on our way yeah. and followed up later. So she didn't like immediately jump
0: on it. Like, Oh, we need, we're doing a workbook where do we need this? We need that. And Did they even have the workbook at that
1: point? Uh, had a a series of conversations with her and rick um and
0: you're fine it's all good you know the drill it's (laughs) suzanne walks in you're hey we did your episode already
1: okay you had your time love suzanne does this get cut out (laughs) no we're keeping this in (laughs) suzanne's trip through the podcast i love it that's funny i love suzanne uh you know the, I uh, I had some conversations with Rick and Susan, and they hired me, and I was so thrilled, and I moved from uh, Cincinnati to um, California and started working with EPP. And you know, I I was taking it all in; it was all a new experience for me. I had I knew of EPP, but I didn't know a lot of the context, and I was learning and meeting ambassadors and meeting the mission. And um, they had a workbook that they were working with, and I love packaging. Educational content like that's always been something that I've loved doing. I love making book covers and organizing things with color, and I've just I just love that. So I just saw many opportunities to enhance and uh, bring clarity and color and life to the content, and so it was just delicious. It was yummy stuff for me to stick my teeth into.
0: That's I love your adjectives. I love because it is what it is exactly what it is, and I would never think to to describe it that way. But it's absolutely what it is, and you would. What so the, the the workbook as it is now, like the art that's in there, that's you, you, all you?
1: Yeah, I, it's a combination of uh, collaboration. You know, it's there's never it's not always one person doing something. It's always working with teams and groups. And we have circles at EPP where we come together as teams and groups and we talk to each other about you know what what we what our ideas are. And I submit concepts and content. Yeah, and so you know, art is a bit subjective, and so my preferences for visual representation could be different from others so you mm-hmm. have to have that conversation to, to feel into and sense the vibe and I have a, I'm a I think I have an intuitive sense a heart sense I feel a lot of things mm-hmm. when I'm creating and so I'm kind of in that space when I'm looking at different ways of presenting material and so um, definitely um, just a collaboration effort to bring those pieces together I want to know if there's anything
0: that that and in, in, the art, artistic side of the workbook um, if they're I'm nosy I just like I'm, I think of it it's I okay. translate everything to music so I mm-hmm. know what it's like to be in the studio with a band and producers and mm-hmm. I know I have my part and I'm a drummer or I'm a mm-hmm. guitar player and this is how it should be and somebody else saying hey man it's not really that's not you try this and I know how mm-hmm. feisty it can be in the recording <laughs> environment and I wonder mm-hmm. if there's any fun stories uh, that and I know it's you know it's a little different with the EPP family. Like we don't, you know, we don't throw rocks at each other when we're, you know, or maybe we do, I don't know. But uh, was there anything in that whole process, the creative process around making the workbook where it was Either um, not smooth sailing for any point, or like I don't
1: know, give us some dirt, man. Give me anything. <laughs> you ask the best, juiciest questions, and I love it. And you and I have some similarities there because okay. you're asking probably from referencing, and mm-hmm. I, I did. I, I, you know, the type four is the individualist, the, the artist, the person that you know. In my type structure, I have to have to carve out some kind of a unique space for myself to feel valued, to feel valued. And that, that's an intelligent strategy and it causes us isolation sometimes because I'm sort of set apart. I set myself apart a little bit from others and mm-hmm. I feel like I have to sort of have all the answers and present like a creative solution that everyone has to buy into in order for me to feel like I'm doing my job, I guess. So there's some of those pieces, you know, that exist in my type. So with EPP, working with sort of creative collaboration, I had to let go of a lot of like, um, if I don't get it right... I'm not going to be unvalued. For yeah. that. So if my, all of my ideas um, are not fully realized, that can be okay. So I definitely had some work to do inside of myself where I was feeling like um, I got to show up and be professional and like, like just like slam it out of the park kind of thing. And some of the choices that we went with were not necessarily the ones that I felt were like over the top amazing enough. They, yeah. There was like a simplicity and a beauty to some of those choices. Um, and and they work and they're perfect the way they are but i didn't feel like i had like i had to like kill myself working to create these unique amazing kinds of pieces they they were already there it was just a natural orchestration of my creativity when i would rest and relax and just be present to the creative process with a beautiful team of people that were also creating with me we were doing co-creation so there's definitely an edge creative edge that individualist part of type four, I didn't understand it, and it, actually, that word wasn't even part of the my understanding for fours. I heard of them as the poetic or the romantic or the artist, mm-hmm. but when you put individualist there, I was like, oh, I relate to that. Yeah, you know, I I have to be my separate own person. That even translated to how I felt like I belonged mm-hmm. with EPP because I remember Susan said to me one time, um, she said, "Robin, I can't wait till you say we yeah. instead of you." all yeah because when i would talk to them about art and design and things i'd say so you might want to try this and you might do that and i wasn't saying we can do and we are and so when she invited me to consider that i was like i didn't even realize that i did that
0: and it's there's a subtle nuance it's just a tiny little adjustment of language right and 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 it matters it does and we don't always even realize it We almost never realize it until somebody points it out.
1: And so lovingly and so sweetly and so invitational. Mm -hmm. And so I went away from that conversation and I I sat with myself and I go, I've done that my whole life and not really realized how I didn't allow myself to belong. Um, I was afraid maybe. I, I don't know all the reasons why. I just felt uncomfortable being subsumed in a group. I always felt like I had to, maybe it was fear of intimacy with, with folks like I wanted some kind of escape hatch to Mm -hmm. kind of like get too close, but not too close. Um, And what paradoxically happens is when I allow myself to belong, it brings out more of my uniqueness, my creativity, my personal expression, because I have this connection with all kinds of love and support and care. And that's one of the things I can say about EPP is there's a tremendous amount of support and love that's allowed my gifts to really thrive. And when I was isolated more in my creative there was always a sense of, will they accept what I bring? And, and is it good enough? And I was always like scared when I would create. This might be like a musician. Mm-hmm. Will they like my song? Will my music be good enough? And what will the feedback be? And what will that say about my skills or talents and so on? And it's so not that way, working with this amazing group of humans who appreciate so much and have so much love um, and support. It's a dream come true to, to be in this space because I can thrive.
0: I wish I was exposed to that kind of stuff a lot earlier because a lot of what, 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 what a lot of people don't know is, is I, I, as a musician, I play several instruments. And as a teenager, I was already recording, you know, full songs by myself with no help from anybody because I could play all the instruments that I needed. And there was always like, you know, all the, the weird and I say weird because it's just strange to me that people would be so fascinated by it. It's almost like saying you like you can draw and you can paint. And people are like, oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and to you, it's just like, it's just art, you know? Mm-hmm. You, could, you could probably smear paint on your elbows and make art with it. That's because that's just, that, I just, I think that's probably close to accurate, more so than an inaccurate. So with music, it's the same. But, but to, to take it a step farther, you know, or to go deeper, I learned all the instruments because I didn't have that ability to work with other people. And mm-hmm. so I didn't have a band. I didn't have other i didn't i didn't have a drummer so i learned drums i didn't have a bass player so i learned bass i didn't have a guitar player so i learned guitar i didn't have a singer so i learned how to record vocals in a way mm-hmm. that would mask the fact that i can't really sing that well or at least that's what i thought you know mm-hmm. so i instead of learning how to deal with people all all the things that you just talked about with epp and all the healthy aspects of everything that how we do things how we do things mm-hmm. um nice. i i didn't have that i was a teenager so whatever you know I cut myself a little slack there um, but even as an adult it's tricky man it's tricky especially with creative stuff right. and um, even all the way up to and including the podcast stuff like I I said I have said very clearly from day one at least I hope it's clear that the only reason that this happens is you know the piece that you you were the like the final piece to the puzzle that makes the podcast happen because I've always known how to talk like I can talk I can do this all day And then like the next step, you know, somebody else can do that. But there was a point where, you know, I didn't want to do certain things to have a podcast possible. I just Mm -hmm. didn't want to do them. And, you know, Rick does his part. Helita does her part. You do your part. I do my part. And now it's like it's a a creative process. And there's some technical aspects involved and all that stuff. But I hear what you describe with all the workbook and, and the collaborations that are involved there. It's actually very similar to what we do, I think, with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And for me, and I know I've thrown like, I've sprinkled in some little thank you Robins here and there, (laughs) but I I am not exaggerating at all when I say that if you weren't here doing your part, it would not happen. Mm. It just wouldn't, because I don't want to do, you know, from a technical standpoint, I can do things like I I can, but I don't want to and I don't like to. And I want to do my piece and then hand it off to a teammate and then they do their piece. And it's not enough that they can do their piece. I need to fully trust and respect them for, for all that they are able to do. And so again, I'll say that without you being a link in our chain, it just wouldn't happen. And it's with 0% exaggeration that I say that. And so to follow that with a question for the listener, what the hell do you do? (laughs) What do you do once I give it to you? Just walk us through that process.
1: That is so sweet your words too. And I'll follow up with that answer to that question by saying that just to highlight one of the things that you shared was about the vulnerability piece. And when we're in a safe, trusted community and what we're building at EPP is compassionate community. With compassion and care, we all get to be interdependent with one another, with all of our gifts. So because I allow myself to belong and you, Clay, allow yourself to belong and all of us allow ourselves to belong, we lock into the interconnectedness of an organism that is this community that allows all of our gifts to thrive. And that's really an amazing miracle that happens. So we're not, there's not comp- competing to try to be seen or witnessed because we all want to be loved. We all want our gifts to be celebrated. And we want, as little children, we would just want to shine with our authentic selves and be seen and validated and loved. So that we can be the expression of what we're designed to be, and then life happens, and we get pot stuff piled on top of us, and then we, you know, we don't, we don't shine, or don't give ourselves the ability to shine, or can't um, find a space to do that. So there's a real healing work in EPP that is multifaceted, multidimensional, and um, you're essential part. I'm an essential part. Everyone's an essential part, and that's what makes this magic beautiful and happening and I can't do what I do without a clay and I clay can't do what he does without a Halita and Halita can't do what she does without a Susan and it goes on and it goes on it's just beautiful and
0: there's a Robin in there
1: there's a Robin in there thank you for helping me belong in there yeah so that is that's my work too is to just yeah Robin it's okay to say that you're a part of something and you're there and that you matter and those are not always easy words to say an integral part thank you necessary part And so to answer your question, I have a kind of a, so education wise, I uh, have a degree in multimedia communications and then I have a master's degree in uh, instructional curriculum design. So I'm an artist that has sort of interests in, in like all kinds of ways to communicate. I love music. I play piano. Um, I sing in the shower, um, I'm pointing at the piano behind me. I didn't know. I didn't know that you were that you played the piano. I could tickle the keys for a yeah. minute. I think, and you know, I've always loved. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a sensitive person, so there's something about music and um, art and creativity that really makes my heart sing. And so, um, you know, when I was thinking about the podcast, and I was thinking, what would be like a cool like music that would be like feels like clay and it feels like (laughs) this podcast and i went through a lot of tracks um just looking at different feeling different things and i I, waiting for the feeling to come waiting for like what feels right and then i heard it and i was like that's the track like that's the one and every time i hear that music i'm like i get so like happy in my heart like i'm just like ready to rock like what is what's, what's gonna happen in this podcast boom 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 you know and it's those kinds of those are gifts, you know. When when I can be part of making something happen, so I do film editing. Um, I help with the some music design for for this podcast, for example, and editing. Sometimes on the podcast, there are things that I do with um, like general planning and creating stuff at EPP. We have lots of working circles with lots of projects. So I might be involved in creating an e-blast one day and doing some design for that. And then sometimes there's curriculum design that has to, has to happen, and I need to make diagrams and charts and things. And sometimes those go, in, go into videos. And then sometimes we're doing a special presentation to celebrate an ambassador. And so I might be doing a video to help support that and putting graphics in that. And so it really there's a wide range of projects that come across my desk, and we are growing quickly. And more people are being added to help mm-hmm. do design, and uh, there are some really wonderful people that are coming our way to support. And I'm really thrilled to be part of helping us grow in that way. And so, um, it's really exciting to be part of a, a thriving, um, vibrant, yeah. passionate organization.
0: It's kind of neat. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of cool. I, you have a greater. I feel like you have a greater command of language when it comes to to describing things like. I, I like. I'm gonna steal your word, delicious. I mean, it's not your word, but you haven't like claimed it. But I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna start trying to use that, and I'm looking for places to use things like that. Like, what, what? Are, give me like five adjectives that I could just add to my, like, like my lexicon or whatever you want to call it. My palate, my, my language palette. Like, delicious is definitely gonna be one. What's an, what's what are like four more good adjectives that I could use question. to describe I, things? I guess I have to get
1: into my feels. Like what yeah. does our well, you know, food is it's interesting, right? Because it's like that. Um, it's I go to food because it's like a consumption thing. It's yeah. this this part of like um, absorbing and um, connecting to a creative process. So you know, like yummy or delicious is a natural go to. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, clay, oh, what can I say? How does art make me feel? Maybe that's an easier, okay, place I can find those adjectives. Um, it's enlivening. It's. Um, I put you on the spot. I feel
2: dude, like I succeeded here. I, I could edit.
1: I can edit the long, long pauses between Robin's searching put, put himself. Put some jeopardy
0: music in here. Do,
1: do, 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 do.
0: Yeah. So we can
1: we can back burner it and and continue it on on the next episode. Well, okay. So you're also an artist, so you yeah. have adjectives too. So it's like, how does music make you feel? Like what happens inside of you when you are like, yeah, in that space? When
0: when I hear the music for the podcast, I get um I I feel electrified I feel electrified. I feel like not that's not the right word. I feel like I not shocked in a sense of like surprised, mm-hmm. but I feel like clear
2: plugged in yeah Mm -hmm.
0: like like the defibrillator like it's it's not a sudden or a flip of a switch it's like it's like it's like Mm -hmm. like i feel that intensity yeah it's electric but severe and immediate yeah um and i feel with other and i and like other 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 types of music make me feel like emotional to a degree that i can't always describe Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times that 's my cheat sheet that 's my that 's my cheat uh to get out of using fancy words is just saying this affects me to a degree that i 'm not able to articulate mm-hmm. and like it sounds fancy to say it that way, but in reality i 'm saying i don 't know how the hell to tell you what i 'm feeling right now, and that 's what that 's how that's how strong it is so uh the you know i i'm i want to make sure that we're good on time i told you like 30 ish minutes you've probably heard me give this speech to people before mm-hmm. like we're we're there i don't know if you can see the stopwatch here mm-hmm. we're 31 minutes are you good yeah man this um great. we uh i want to i want to ask you uh i want to ask you about something else mm-hmm. and then i'm still crossing my fingers that we can get dr g up here. oh yeah if she was sitting on the couch she'd be like she's coming yeah um but something, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's the last thing that you mentioned and what you do with EPP, you mentioned you're also a guide. Hmm. And I want to know, um, first of all, what does that mean? So you, the last two episodes have been about guides. Sure. Uh, so there's a strong probability that people already know what a guide is. But sometimes people start on the most recent episode, so maybe we have somebody who's brand new. Hmm. Totally possible. So, A, I want to know what is a guide. And B, why do you care? enough it's it's not fun (laughs) working in prison working with the incarcerated working with people who have that degree of shit in their history Mm -hmm. in their personal life in their past uh that amount of trauma that amount of of just junk and it's it's it is it it, i will say it's rewarding i can get down with that i don't think fun is a word that i would use and it's, Mm -hmm. it's i don't i don't even know if it's enjoyable i i can't speak for anybody else but it's it's just not something, it's not like you think, you know, like if you said, hey, you want to go to a theme park and ride some roller coasters, right. I'm in. Like, that yeah. sounds fun. Uh, you want to do this other thing, like, but with this population, with this subject matter, why in the world do you, why are you subjecting yourself to this, hmm. you know, and why do you want to be a guide? Why do you care?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a great invitation. Uh, guides are someone who goes in to jails and prisons and or other spaces and guide people in an invitation to learn the Enneagram and come home to themselves. It's a guiding, guiding process. And so um, we are there to support people on their journey. They're gu- guiding them on their journey. Why am I a guide? And, you know, it's almost like there's a difficult sometimes for me to put into words why I'm a guide. Because um, I, when I was very touched by what the project is doing and my experience of watching people on the inside have a transformative experience. I said, I want what they have going on. And I've been studying the Enneagram, but there was just something compelling about what people were experiencing that I was drawn to. And when I said I wanted to become a guide, I couldn't believe the words coming out of my mouth as they were coming out of my mouth. Because yeah. I'm like, what did you just invite yourself into? <laughs> what did you just say? And I mean, I, I went in with my shaking in my boots, actually, to do it. Something inside, I, all that I can say to you, Clay, is there's something inside that was pulling me towards this. There was something in this, you know, we say we're guiding them. They're, they're our teachers, the, guy, the ambassadors are the ones and the people inside are the ones that are, are the teachers, the wisdom keepers of humanity. It's like the secret wisdom keepers are hidden away in these places to set humanity free. That's how I see it. And so it's a privilege for me to be part of this process, to be part of their lives in any way, because what they're experiencing is a direct impact on my own transformation journey myself. So you could say maybe it's selfish reasons a little bit in that space too, right? <laughs> but I mean, that's really the substance of what's happening and that's, what's really profound for me. And um it's, I'm very touched. You know, we had a dinner tonight and listening to the ambassadors share their experience of what's touched them. I mean, it's heart opening. It's, it, it breaks open so many layers that I have in my own life that I hide myself, protect myself, uh, afraid for people to really see who I am. And a witness these human beings with so much vulnerability and so much work and so much heart. I mean, it just peels, blows back all of the, of the layers that I have in my life and inspires me to grow and deepen my own journey and path. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep heart, heart work. Um, and it's so worth it. And I mean, I will be honest with you going in and having, having, jail prison door slam behind you on any level mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of fear and trepidation <laughs> yeah. one has and then it's kind of a primal thing almost it, there is it doesn't it, feel right it's like um why are you doing this mm-hmm. and, and then <laughs> you the oh, yeah right it's <laughs> like uh, but did you bump your head this morning you know but then you you move into the space and you're sitting in the space with human beings who mm-hmm. are just like no different from anyone else wanting to be, um, wanting to know what, why we do what we do. I want to know the question to that, answer to that question myself. And all of a sudden, we're just human beings being with one another and in a compassionate, safe space to grow together. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and I'm really grateful to be a part.
0: We're grateful to have you. I'm grateful that people like you exist in the world because I don't you know, and I, I touched on this a little bit last episode. I don't, I'm not a guide and I don't, I don't think that I will be. be, And it's because I, I don't have, you know, I've been to prison. I've been locked up. You know, we all know that. Uh, or at least I hope we do. At this point (laughs) I've talked about it enough. I feel like, um, I'm comfortable with going into prison. There are certain things about being a guide that I don't think I've, I don't think I've got it, you know, at least yet. I'll, I'll, cut myself some slack and say, I don't have it yet. Um, it's, it's hard to, you know, like this hearing the door slam, you know, I could deal with that. Um, and all the other things about being on the inside and I can deal with the pain. I'm, I'm comfortable with the conversations that are hard. Um, I really struggle with, uh, and I think it was uh, Suzanne that I, that I was talking about this with before I struggle with seeing people rather than seeing the crime. So, Using myself as an as a, as an example, I struggle to see Clay for who he is, but it's really easy to see him as a criminal who's, who who mm-hmm. robbed banks, who stole money from his mom. It's easy to see the crimes. It's easy to see the things, the actions, because it's right in front of me. It's hard to see Clay as a, as a as a as a small child who grew up into this thing that he didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see, you know, Vic as this small child who had these things happen in his life that weren't his fault. It's easy to see, Oh, you stole that. Oh, you robbed Mm this people. Oh, you sold those drugs. It's easy to see that and be mad at him and judge him for that. It's hard to see past that and into the childhood and know like this, he didn't have a fair chance. Mm -hmm. And so, i I wonder if that if that was if that was something that just came naturally for you or is it something that you had to consider at some point and get over it, or has it never even been a thought until until it's presented like this and in you know in this conversation that where where were you with that that kind of stuff
1: Uh yeah uh I have to pause to think about you know I haven't had the experience yet where someone has told me something that was something that I couldn't process. And I know that some have had that experience. Um, Decide if I'm going to go down a certain road or not to talk about something. I'm riding with you. Um, (laughs) I want it to be relevant. I can always cut this later. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe... Mm. Should I go there? So I'll say this: in my history, I was our family was um, part of. We were we had a home invasion in our family. We were held. You're, we were, were held, victimized. Yes, and so it was a trauma event for yeah, sure. I um, and I don't really, I don't really I'm sharing it now. I don't usually share. I don't share it. Um, I think there's a healing in it for me to be able to see the humanity in this way and for all of us when we know that the choices people make are not because people are evil inherently, that people are subjected to painful, difficult, overwhelming circumstances that lead to desperate choices and that has to be able to contextualize and see how EPP helps to support a, peop, a person's developmental process how they how we all develop and how we all create our realities based on opportunities or no opportunities Or limited opportunities or abuse or trauma, traumatization that lead to these desperate kinds of acts which come from extreme distortions. From a very understandable place when you know what's going on and you put the puzzle pieces together to see what makes a human being where where they are at any level. It allows you to have space to forgive, to heal, to put restore one's own heart and soul spaces right we've all had our own we all have our own stories of how where we are where we are I had lots of privilege and opportunities that many people don't have and then I have also challenges that I have to heal myself from in my life today as an adult so it's a combination that we're all supporting each other It's why we need compassionate spaces like EPP to to find our uh, a, a safe space to heal and it's so interesting that it's, you know, people that most unlikely places and people are a, the actual puzzle pieces that are missing to put ourselves back together, right? Like who could like think that that's where you go for like to do inner work, right? And that's like you can't even you can't write this stuff. It just happens when we're when our hearts are open and we're searching.
0: I'm giggling. I'm giggling because I know. I just know how bizarre it. Like you know, going to prison to find myself is just. It's like a weird phrase that I say, but it's just. It's accurate for me. Mm-hmm. And everybody has that equivalent. Not everybody. A lot of people have that equivalent for them. And uh, finding that that piece is – it's uh, it's a it's a big deal. Um, I want to. Uh, I'm going to leave you with the last word. I think you probably you probably know the drill by now with how I how I end the. Uh, we went forty. 42 40, I mean, this was totally spur of the moment. I see you, You're peeking at the stopwatch, and, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, 42 minutes, and then and then if you cut something out, it'll probably be less than that. But uh, what if I just send it straight to Rick and he doesn't need <laughs> to cut anything out? Scandal. Yes, it's possible. <laughs> we can do this. Uh, this was totally spur of the moment. We are at the Alessic household. We had an event um, this evening at their house with about 80, I don't know, ish people. I don't know mm-hmm. how, what the head count was. That's the number that I heard. And after that, we came inside, and we're just shooting the shit. And, and I asked you earlier, are you down to chat? And you said yes. Mm-hmm. So this was without any preparation on your part or any time to really think about what you were going to say or talk about. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not always easy, mm-hmm. and it's not always fun, and especially for our, our withdrawn types. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not always something that we look forward to. <laughs> Sign uh, me up. <laughs> so I, I do I want to express gratitude and mm-hmm. say that I, I, it's a big deal to me. That you sat mm-hmm. down with me for a little bit. I enjoy talking to you. I think you're quite an interesting person, and I just I hear mm-hmm. when you are about to talk, I'm ready to listen. That's I, you're in that category for me. So thank you oh, for sitting kind. in front of a mic and letting me hear you talk for a little bit. I want to give you the last word and and ask if uh, if there's anything that you it could be something we talked about or something we did not talk about. Anything um, that you would like to uh, you, you have the listeners' ear. I'm going to shut up from here on out and as much time as you want, as many words as you want to say, anything that's on your heart.
1: Mm. Uh, wow. Well, I wanted to say thank you for inviting me to share. Um, I um, really count it as a privilege, and you're someone that I look up to, and uh, I appreciate, and I'm a listener when you speak, so understand that. Um, also, what you are doing with the podcast, I know, is um, a beautiful contribution, and it's a big deal. And I'm super excited for you to be doing this work. And I support you 100 million percent. Um, and to say, what would I say at the end of this, other than so much gratitude for you, um, gratitude towards a group of human beings, and Susan being a person who's pioneered a beautiful, amazing, world-changing vision, that I have gratitude for a community of like-minded, like-hearted compassionate humans that i get to connect to every day and who is graciously reaching out their arms to the world to say welcome you belong and let's do this let's change the world let's bring compassion kindness and care and help heal the broken and i want to be part of that and i am part of that and i'm excited
0: sitting down i know it's probably a little like anxiety inducing to just sit on a mic and talk when it's you know literally just thrown in your lap like 30 minutes ago
3: yeah i don't know which one's which one's better not knowing that it was coming or knowing but um we are here and i'm ready so
0: we all that could be the part of the episode that's that introduces where we're going or robin may just start it like mm-hmm. here so uh i don't introduce anybody i let people introduce themselves that way i don't say too much or too little so you tell mm-hmm. me who you are and uh, whatever's relevant and whatever you're allowed to say
3: <laughs> start with the biggest existential question of who are you yeah just easy questions
0: why are we here
3: why are we why are we <laughs> what who is, are you and why are you here
0: why is our planet a sphere
3: Oh gosh! Instead of a cube. Oh man. (laughs) Okay. That mic wants to
0: be your friend. You can just even when you're leaning back, you can just pull it up. That's cool. You'll get used to it, I promise. Yeah, right there. Okay. It's great. Your voice sounds great. (laughs)
2: It's
0: all good.
3: Um. Let me let me sit here. I need to go uh, down and in, so that we get a real answer. Well clay first i want to say thank you for inviting me to sit here with you that's the first thing on my mind and heart um you said that you invite people that are interesting and that care about the incarcerated and um thank you for the compliment of interesting the part i can absolutely validate is the second part um which is that i care about the incarcerated and um I think we're all incarcerated in some way, but the people that live inside jails and prisons and detention facilities and youth authorities and group homes and foster homes and just families where the walls are closing in and the pains are palpable and great, um, they're in a different kind of excruciating pain. And I care about all of those people very much Um, that is one aspect of who I am very much so deep in my heart Um, and I am committed to trying to bring love and care and joy inside those walls so that people can see who they really are who were they always meant to be and their greatest essence and their own superpowers what's right about them so that's a big part of who i am and a big part of what i do
0: i love that you and i've heard others use this but i love that you use the word superpowers and the gifts that we have you know to anybody who knows much about the enneagram you know there's each type like there's no one type that has nothing Mm -hmm. you know from the other types and there's no there's no type that is that lays claim to one thing that nobody else can do mm-hmm. but i do think that we have i know that we have certain gifts that we just we're better mm-hmm. and that's not the right word i'll accept that i'm using better is not the word but you know as 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 a five there are things that i can make clear
2: mm-hmm.
0: that the next person might not mm-hmm. be able to to that extent and i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times it is a bit of a superpower. Mm-hmm. I like I like that I like that idea, that that we all have and we all have a superpower.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so can we? And and like I said, I'm not I don't introduce anybody. We can go this whole time without saying a name. Is there a name that we can give the people, or <laughs> should we just go in code? And and I'm down with whatever. Was <laughs> oh, <moment. laughs> I'm not
3: trying to speak in code. Yeah. Which people are we talking about that you want named?
0: Do you have a name?
3: Oh, I have a name. Yes. Um, my name is. Dr. Heather Greenwald. Okay. And um, I am a chief of mental health in a uh, maximum security prison.
0: So, what's, what's fascinating to me, and there's, there's so much, there's so many directions that we can go just based on the snippet that you gave us to start with. But the number one place that I want to go is when, when I, I've been locked up, you know that, and I think a lot of the listeners mm-hmm. know that. I know what it looks like on the inside, mm-hmm. I know the kind of people that I encountered. Mm-hmm. When I was locked up, I know the kind of people who worked there. Where I where I was, mm-hmm. I didn't. I never met you. I never met people like you. Mm-hmm. I didn't encounter people like you. Uh, I think you're a bit of a unicorn with how much <laughs> you know. It, to, to hear the emotion and what you talk about at the very just off the rip, we're there, and then to find out a few minutes later, holy shit, you work. You work at a correctional facility. Like this is what you do. I don't think people expect that. So I I don't I just don't and it's not normal it's not typical it's not whatever the right word is it's 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 unicorn like so how what came first mm-hmm. the the and I use all I use very informal terms because I didn't get the education that I should have at some point what what came first the give a shit or the the job like how did you find yourself in a in a position to where you're capable you're educated you're 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 the person that they need but also you care like it matters clearly to you
3: it matters so much um well first i want to speak to the premise of that statement in that um thankfully i'm fortunate enough to know other people like me that work in prison
0: thank you for clarifying that
3: um but that wasn't your experience so it wasn't not 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 clarifying your experience, just mine. And um, I think, you know, like does find like. And so um, I I do find that there are people who care so much within prison and are trying to bring, I I don't want to just say rehabilitation. I want to say like trying to bring about the person's best essence, that they were always meant to be. Um, And there are people committed to that within. Um, Many of my staff are, and I'm so fortunate to work with a team of people that really care, and many of my colleagues are. So I want to say that thankfully there's more unicorns there's (laughs) more of us out there (laughs)
0: there's a whole herd of unicorns flying through the sky
3: (laughs) there are i'm 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 glad to tell you that um but thank you for the compliment i take that in and i um i do feel seen that you can tell how much i care um and i'm glad that i'm not alone in that um there's programs like any grand prison project although um i think it's special As well and we've talked about that um but there are other programs and other um, volunteers that come in that come in with this heart as well in addition to the staff so i'll say that first um which came first was your question Mm -hmm. the
0: you're such a pro you (laughs) said so much and then you still remember the question like this is the part where people go what the fuck was I supposed to say
3: maybe that's the yeah. psychologist part right God, yeah or the seven so tracking ex- multiple threads yeah. I don't know.
0: so I'm interrupting to say that was expertly done and well, I appreciate it because I kind of forgot what I asked to, oh,
3: well thank so. you and I am I'm still on your question so <laughs> awesome. um so which came first I think the care is what is one of the things that did bring me um inside prison and um Keeping the care, despite the fact that we're all doing time together and prison is hard for staff and the people that live there and in different ways, of course, Um, keeping the care is also a piece of it. Um, So I give a care. (laughs) I keep a care. (laughs) um, And I think that probably did come first and it's maintained through uh, working at it. I'm trying to stay present to myself and keep my humanness, and keep bringing about humanness in every connection—from a—from a conference call to a committee meeting to a case conference to talking to a human that lives there, or works there.
2: Yeah.
0: the—I uh, know your type. I don't know if you have said your type yet. Have you? Is that? Are we? I think
3: I just said it a I second th- ago, but that's I okay. Do you so want too. me to say it. I'm
0: just—I'm so—I'm happy
3: to say it if you want. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I'm a 7 with an 8 wing 1 to 1.
0: And what does that mean to somebody who might not know?
3: Mm. Okay, so I'm efficient in a certain habit of being and my habit of being um the I guess the 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 essence of it would be um when we're at our when I'm at my greatest, I'm I'm living joy spontaneously with immediacy um but with still Great connection to all that is on the outside of me and the inside of me, and with others and this universe. So I can really appreciate the beauty and the joy and the love in this universe. That's kind of my superpower. I was going to ask, is that your superpower? <laughs> That's my superpower. Okay. Um, and I think, as a one to one, you know, relationship is so important to me. And um, so I think that gives my, uh, my joy, not just kind of flittering, flitting around the w- world, which is also a, a desire of mine is to just travel and have adventure. That's quite seven. Um, but it, I'm so rooted to people and my tribe. I care about them so much. Um, that would always bring me home. So that's the one-to-one piece. Gotcha. Um, and the eight wing gets things done. Yeah yeah
0: I saw you outside earlier yeah yeah we're we're at the Olesic uh, property it's, it's not even a, I won't name anacre say house anymore because it's like a bunch of land too and we had a we had an event
3: hopefully a future village
0: hopefully yeah, yeah. It, i think i think it's likely um and we had uh tables and we had a bunch of guests. Several dozen guests, maybe eighty ish, mm-hmm. upwards towards a hundred.
3: So beautiful.
0: Food, you know, the whole nine yards in there. Uh, storms rolling in. The weather was getting unfriendly, and mm-hmm. a lot of people disappeared to the safety of the home, i.e., me. And <laughs> and you didn't. You were out there making things happen, and that's is, is that the and by making things happen, you were helping clean up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you leading the charge, or were you just like waiting for orders?
3: No, you know you don't. You don't have to lead the charge here, because I think um, the the group acts as an organism of mm-hmm. change, and you could see that in the cleanup efforts. I don't yeah. know if you were out there uh, long enough to see the the full view of it, but I, the organism does the change, and no one gives anybody orders. Yeah. It's what they call a teal organization, and you could see it in the way they in the way we work. Um, no one gave. Anybody orders, people just see things
0: that needs to be done and they do it.
3: That's right. Yeah. And uh, so no, I just saw what was happening and I have hands. I (laughs) I just started working.
0: Do you do you think that it it's easier for you as a seven with an eight wing to get involved and just your hands work so you're going to put them to work? Do you think it's easier for your for your particular type structure? however you want to describe that, to to do that. Whereas someone like uh, a, a more withdrawn type or someone who, 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 who it helps them to give, not give orders because that's not the right word, but like for me, for example, a type five. Mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable sitting back, not being an introvert. I don't think that's accurate because I don't feel introverted. Mm-hmm. I feel like my energy is looking for the appropriate place to mm-hmm. be inserted. Mm -hmm. And so if I see, just to use that example, Mm -hmm. um, if I see things are happening and there is a need, you know, elsewhere, or, or even if I'm just looking after myself, I was Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and I was cold. I knew I needed to sit down and have some conversations on mic. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to feel better before I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe there's some selfish aspects in there. And then also I kind of sometimes, you know, just don't like doing stuff so maybe I'm lazy I don't know is 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 part of is part of that and I'm just trying to paint the picture for you know to so there's an actual question to be answered answered and that question is like is it easier for a seven with an eight wing to help that effort and as a five with a four wing am I at a disadvantage when it comes to being a part of something like that how how does that all work with relation to the Enneagram and Mm -hmm. types and when things need to be done. And you know, how, how, how does all that, what's in your, what's in your head about all that?
3: Um, well, it would be harder for me not to do something than to do it. Um, my, my growth edge is looking at, um, when not to act, when to be silent, when not to go forward. Gotcha. So, um, my natural inclination is to be up and out and to be active and to connect and um, push forward. And so it would be my my work is when should I not do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Not. Oh, it's the opposite it was, of mine. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> not like, oh, it was hard to go pick up tables for me. I didn't even think about should I go pick up the table um, or tables? It was, um, it, I would have had to think like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe there's something else I need to be doing. So no, my, my natural inclination is the exact opposite.
0: All right, then that answers And we, that cool.
3: And we need all the types.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you need my type for then? If you if, oh. in, in that effort specifically, not just in the world, but yeah. like when it's time, like there's a lot of shit to pick up. Yeah. And 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 all the sevens and eights and all the you know, all, mm-hmm. they're out there doing their thing and they're looking around going, where the hell's my five? Where the hell's my four? Where the hell's my this? Where the hell like how how am I fitting into that puzzle in particular?
3: You see the mic in front of you? Yeah that's what you're doing
0: okay but that's not cleaning up tables though
3: we didn't need you to clean up the table okay fair enough. we needed you to do a podcast yeah that from what i hear is making people really think and really feel and really connect so you were using your superpower the way you were needed
0: i'm good at being nosy and asking questions
3: (laughs) well i mean you can call it you can call it that um and i think that trivializes the compliment i was giving you but uh I think you were doing what you needed to be doing and taking care of you so that you can then put this out in the world was maybe maybe a good thing to yeah. do i'm sure you could challenge yourself to carry a table if ever needed i
0: could yeah or if i was hiding from a conversation that i didn't want to have too by the yeah. way uh and i and i appreciate being called out on me on how i responded to that because it's 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 hard sometimes to just say thank you i'll admit that it's it's because you are giving me a compliment there you want to go and back we could do it again we can
3: yeah let's go let's go out. there you go yeah we can delete
0: that like it never happened but robin won't let that he'll he'll leave it in there he's not going to delete it Uh, So what's my job out there? What's my role? What am I doing? We're going back to the thing. Oh, no, I
3: was just going to let you uh, take the compliment. (laughs) Go ahead. Thank you. I fully expect Robin to leave this in. He will. You you go ahead and just take in the compliment.
0: It feels good. Thank you. And it it does. It's it's nice to have something that feels so natural to me and very little effort. Like this, Mm -hmm. I enjoy this so much. This is so energizing. And it's like... It's like sitting down and having a good meal. I have no effort in eating something that I like, me, and and it
3: no effort there for me. Either. It just we're in makes me happy. There.
0: Yeah, so that's what this is, but like mm-hmm. for my brain,
3: I I totally and get so, that. We have a chord there.
0: Yeah, and uh, and for those who might not know, sevens are it's it's in the head triad as well. So we we do share a lot there. Um, Can I, I also
3: tell you something else yeah. that I I need your type for? Sure. So. Uh, the seven as I, um, grow and deepen and go down and in, um, my growth arrow is toward the five, as you know. And so, um, as I grow up, I'm becoming more like your best parts, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) And I love my five arrow. Um, and I think I've, I've had a lot of five, uh, my whole life. I think it helped me You know, through graduate school and the the learning process, I'm very, very head centered, and I've had to grow into my body and grow into the access to my heart, because the head part, like we've talked about, what comes easiest, Mm that I live, I could live in my head without remembering I even have a body. Yeah. Um, I
2: feel that. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and I'm very grateful to have this body and have a healthy body, and I want to be grateful and connected to my body but i can really forget that i have one because i i can live up here so beautifully and mentalize every feeling and think i've felt but i haven't
0: and for me sometimes it's just straight up neglect to my body like i don't who needs sleep i can stay up and think i've actually before i knew the enneagram i actually used that was one of my favorite things to say it's like who sleep is for people who don't have imaginations
3: or don't read yeah (laughs) <laughs> or you know like who run out
0: of things to think about or whatever uh i have more i want to talk to you about but i told you 20 i just want to check in and feel we're 22 minutes in and i want to see like how you feel if we're good to like
3: keep i could going. talk and listen to you forever
0: okay cool well forever is a possibility i have a lot of space on my computer here <laughs> so um <clears throat> i i are we do you feel good i feel fine go is, at your own pace i feel is, good this is fun. I it's a pleasure
3: this. speaking with you. It really is.
0: Likewise. It's quite a pleasure uh, speaking with you as well. I, I have so many things I want to talk about. One, I want to go back to one of the first things. It's, it's actually just a little phrase that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in your first comment and talking about all the different populations that are relevant and that, are, that matter to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the incarcerated, the, 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 the foster care system, all that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, youth. And Mm -hmm. specifically youth who are, um, and I don't know the phrase in California, but in Texas, it's, it's basically prison for kids. It's the Mm -hmm. the TYC, the Texas Mm -hmm. youth. Um, they probably changed it recently. Actually, I don't know the name now, but it's juvenile Mm -hmm. kids go and do things that are against the law and then they're, they're in, they're in, Mm -hmm. um, and it's nothing that we've talked about on the podcast yet. Mm -hmm. And it's something that bothers me deeply. And it's just never come up. So I'm, I'm wondering if, I don't know if I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about why it's so disturbing to me, the idea of incarcerating children, even Mm -hmm. though they've committed crimes, Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering what you might have to say to somebody like me who thinks that it's wrong, but I also acknowledge that crime is like something that we have, we can't just ignore Mm -hmm. if a, if a 14 year old shoots and kills someone, Mm -hmm. um, Like you can't just say, okay, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that the place we send that 14 year old is not good. Mm. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think that life is going to be bad for them Mm -hmm. from that point forward is how I feel about it. So Mm what do you, what do you, what do you know about that world, about that population in terms of, you know, anything that you could shine light on for someone like me who, you know, I didn't go to prison until I was an adult. I wasn't Mm -hmm. even a young adult. I was already in my late 20s, mm-hmm. which in prison, that's not, it's not young. Mm-hmm. I was like already almost old, old school at that point, mm-hmm. rolling up on 30. So I don't know. I've only spoken in juveniles. I've never known anybody who was locked up. What, what is it about our youth corrections that is right? What is it that's wrong? Like, how can we do better? What can we be aware of? Like, we're, there's a lot of ignorance out here in the free world around the whole topic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know a lot that you could share on that
3: hmm there was a lot there to unpack yeah (laughs) what I I guess what I'd like to say to that is what what do you find helps people grow
0: I I am I will say that I'm not comfortable with the general what helps people, and I can say with the specific what helps me. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about this earlier. Is yeah. um, for me the, the question that they asked me was, "Would this what I what I've been would it help if, helped me if I learned the enneagram as a teenager?" And and so the answer to that question is kind of the same as the answer to this question. And to me, the thing that would have helped me grow was that if someone saw me Mm -hmm. instead of my actions Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I never struggled academically I was not a problem child when it came to teaching me how to do things Mm -hmm. I learned very easily I learned very quickly Mm -hmm. to the extent that I was bored and I only cared about making life interesting and as a child that came out as I didn't follow the rules because I wanted to test the rules I wanted to I wanted to, you know, the grown adults in my classroom who we called teachers, I wanted to test them instead of them testing me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, and so I never felt like they ever saw me as that. I felt like I was just a problem child. Stop talking, do your work, all these things that didn't work with me. Punishment didn't work with me. Going to the principal's office to get paddled didn't work for me. I was immune to all that, um, as far as actually growing what would have really helped me to grow as a child this is the same now as a 42 year old man um when people see me for who i am instead of for what i do that helps me first of all connect with them Mm -hmm. and then i immediately care Mm -hmm. about them because i feel that there's a mutual care about me Mm -hmm. and and i don't know why that matters i just know that it does Mm -hmm. and so what helps me to grow is when people stop shitting on me for the bad things that i've done Mm -hmm. and when they just say hey clay actually dot 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 and then they talk about what they see in me Mm -hmm. so at the point where that happened in prison that's where things started to make a little more sense because you know, learning, meeting Susan, learning the Enneagram, also, also processes that were not related to the Enneagram, but just similar things of people seeing me Mm -hmm. instead of what I've done that flipped a switch. And I realized like, Hey, I am a person who is a thing, not a, not a thing that is happening Mm -hmm. in the world or whatever. So I guess the short answer is what helps me grow is when someone sees me. Me, not being a bank robber, not being a absent father, not being a problem child, and it could be good things too. I don't like to be seen as a musician sometimes. I don't want to be seen as a funny person sometimes, or a or an athlete, or a podcaster, or a speaker, or whatever. Like it's fun sometimes to just be seen for who I am, and everybody sees something different. Like you might see something that's not seen by other people and it matters to me. And it makes me feel like I matter to them. And then the give a shit is engaged. And I, and then I seek the way the, or one of the ways that I can grow. And a lot of times that comes out in a question like what, if you see this, you know, how can I be, if it's good, how can I be more of that? If it's mm-hmm. bad or, or not good, however you want to phrase that, how can I shed that? How can I, grow into something and i don't pretend to have the answers and if i think you have the answers and i feel like you care i'm gonna ask you Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like help help (laughs) i'm down for the conversation Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of words to just say i just want people to see me i just want to be seen as a person rather than a person who does things or a, Mm -hmm. or a, a dot 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 with an er on the end of it you know because i do whatever that's what I, that's 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 how I feel like I would. I, that's how that's what growth. That's how I feel with that question. I don't know. What do you think? What 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 do you what are you hearing? Because I'm I'm in this now. I'm in the analyzing phase of like mm-hmm. of 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 everything about the question. Because I can tell you clearly, for years there was no growth. It was just I'm doing life how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it not my problem don't care and you know that changed when i became a father and then it was a tailspin trying to figure out how to not do it i didn't know how so i don't know there's a few years of struggling to be seen not even knowing that i wanted to be seen Mm -hmm. and when that started to happen the good started to happen
3: Mm-hmm. And I feel like
0: I feel like there was a lot of growth, has been, and hopefully will be continuing in the future.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know what what uh, <laughs> what about you?
3: <laughs> well, I love what you said, and um, I and I think we could comfortably say people want to be seen, want to be heard want to be understood, want to be mirrored for their best essential qualities. Because like you said, when you're seen for your best inside, it makes you want to be more of that. And we, we do connect with people that mirror our best selves back. We see ourselves in that. I certainly do. And I think we can, we can generalize to that, because that's a human need. As a species, we are born into at least a dyad by our biology, and we cannot survive without one another. We can't. As, as a human infant, we do not survive in the wild on our own. So we know by definition we need each other. We end up getting hurt interpersonally, and we heal interpersonally. And we need mirroring. I certainly need it as a human and I think we can comfortably generalize to that and we need that mirroring of our best selves we get a lot of reflection on what we're doing wrong and what's wrong with us and there's not enough reflection to children all the way through adulthood of what's right about us and as we know the Enneagram does a beautiful job in the right hands of showing us what's right about us so we can lean into that and connect with people about it and get inside of ourselves and then get outside of ourselves with someone else as a compassionate witness. And in that nexus, in that connection, I think that's where we heal. So my reform bill is let's do that and let's do that as many places as we can. And it's a piece and it's foundational. And then there's lots of other stuff that goes on top of it. And it begins before a child's even born.
0: You, I've never thought about this before. The way that you, the way that you describe how we need each other. I've always, I've heard many people say, we need each other, we're social beings, we're this, that, we're the you know? And I accept that, by the way. I've never heard it described at birth where like an infant by itself will literally die.
3: That's correct.
0: And there's a point if, you know, baby born today, it'll die if it doesn't have somebody taking care of it for X amount of time. But at the end of X, there becomes a point where they can stay alive. But there's other growth that needs to happen. That's not just physical staying alive Mm -hmm. or whatever. And there, I've never thought about it in that way. And I, I've never considered that at some point, like kids might be technically able to stay alive, but they're not getting what they need to grow.
3: And they'll fail to thrive without the interpersonal connection. Yeah. I mean, we, we, have, an actual, uh, we have an actual biological response when we're gazing at a child. It's called a foveal glint. Yeah. That's literally the name for the sparkle in the eye. When you're mirroring your child or a person you're in love with Mm -hmm. and you get that, you know, in cartoons, how they draw that little star, that's the foveal glint. And you're literally mirroring love back at them, radiating love. And, and without that mirroring, um, without that connection, uh, children don't thrive. They don't even grow the same. And, um. I don't want to quote the name wrong, so I won't say the name, but there's kind of a naturalistic, um, we'll call it a study, but it wasn't a study because it was happening during wartime uh, because this is going to be a podcast and I don't (laughs) have the details in my head. I'm going to be very loose about the details. (laughs) It's
0: the safest way to not be wrong.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I relate to that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, there was um, an orphanage and um, where... Um, babies were being cared for and the the children in the ward, the babies in the ward were dying. And when they would get quite ill, um, they would put them in this one nurse's care and then sometimes they would live. And um, to make a long story short, and uh, we'll be sparing on the details.
0: She gave a shit.
3: <laughs> she held them. <laughs> she held them. Yeah. That was the big magic secret she wow. held them and you know there's I mean the Harlow's um, monkey experience with the cloth monkey versus the wire monkey that fed um, I mean there's a, a whole host of things uh, we could talk about it after this podcast yeah,
0: and we will I guarantee you oh, <laughs> I,
3: I, I can't <laughs> it's, wait to send you like 15 things yeah. right now um but there's a failure to thrive and the body actually does shut down and and a child won't even develop the same so for that's and that's before we start talking about nutrition and the cortisol levels of the mother yeah. and how stressed she is and whether she had access to proper nutrition and whether she got to have you know a good night's sleep, or whether she was trying to find a place to live, I mean, before we even get to all those inequities, um, at at birth, if you're not held and you're not you're not nurtured in that way, you're you're not even going to start out on the same starting line.
0: Is can it be fixed, or can it be repaired, or or I mean, if it's is it our 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 babies or in, young people? How, Are they stunted? Is it possible to be or not? Is it possible? Are they stunted beyond growth down the line? So, if if you from zero to four, you get what you need, but four to six, you don't, and then from six on, things are good again. Is there a way that gap from four to six is it gone forever? Is hope lost forever, or can we go back and treat somehow? that child that they didn't get what they needed for two years is it permanent
3: well i wouldn't be able to make sweeping generalizations since there's so much there and i also wouldn't presume presume that we could know all of that at this point with what we do know um but i from everything i've read and experienced i would consider things like a diathesis stress model right you have certain predispositions to whatever your genes bring you, whatever um, situation life has handed you, all of the generational traumas your family has endured, everything's adding to you got a great hand, you got a not so great hand. That, that's your diathesis, right? That's the disposition that you're, you're dealt with. And the better the disposition, the more stress you can take the The harder the hand you are dealt, the less stress you can take before you break. but is anybody hopeless i I've seen very few cases that I thought were completely like wow i don't i don't quite know what to do there, but can we make inroads with everyone? We have to try um i, like I and that. i i won't I won't say is there anyone beyond beyond hope or anything like that i I can't make any mass um yeah there's i i have many thoughts coming up that i i wouldn't <laughs> want to go there um but i i would say that i i want to be committed to try to get anyone i come in contact with better for the interaction i have with them and even if that just means having a genuine connection trying to see the person for who they are trying to see their best qualities and sometimes you have to work harder than others to find them (laughs) but trying to really do that genuinely and um some people are really hurt and really hurting so they do a lot of hurt and they do a lot of damage
0: i think our i don't know is this a, a cultural thing we we we're so happy with punishment and happy's not what it actually is, but we're so eager. Once you see something in the news, this guy did that thing and it, a lot of people are immediately comfortable saying string him up by his toes. Mm -hmm. Screw that guy. Mm -hmm. He's hopeless. He did this thing. He doesn't deserve to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying is hold on a second. Like, He's not just doing this for the hell of it. He's not getting a need met. Mm-hmm. And what if we met the need?
3: Well, and, you know, I think we can all um, be reactive and reactionary um, when we're, you know, in, in, our, in our talks before we've, we've been in circles where we're asked if we're above the line mm-hmm. or below the line and whether you're in a, you know, a, a reactive state we can all go there when we're hurt. And it's um it's an act of intention. It's a practice. And when you find yourself being reactive, we have to take a deep breath and then put ourselves in a different position and 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 when people go immediately to retribution and just deserts. Um they're often making a fundamental attribution error, right? Like if we're if we're driving and uh we cut someone off, we can say it was ju- in our in our head. Our immediate <laughs> reaction is like, "Oh, well, I'm 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 late, I'm in uh, I'm in a rush, I didn't mean to." And we don't think we're a bad person because we cut them off, but somebody else cuts us off and we might say well, that guy or that girl or whatever. Yeah. You hear people...
0: You get your license in a Cracker Jack box.
3: Right. And, you know, <laughs> the attribution's different. It's situational for us, but it's trait for them. And I think of that when I hear people talk about people they've never met in circumstances they don't know and um, certainly haven't walked a mile in their shoes or in their skin or their in their experience. And we feel where we can feel like, oh, it's it's trait for them, but it's state for us if we do it. I, I had to. There was no other choice. Well, yeah. So that's what I think of when I when I hear people talk like that.
0: My mom and I were talking um this weekend about the podcast and all the people that have been on and there's some amazing guests that we've had. And one of the comments that she made and I'm paraphrasing but she um i may be saying this verbatim I, what i heard her say was like the people are interesting it's it's a topic that is relevant and it matters and you know um they're fun like this is i, I find joy in just chit-chatting mm-hmm. and so she you know enjoys listening to but she said and uh the, the people are just so smart like there's like there's just some really smart people in this community and it and as i hear you talk and I, I agree with her that there are some super bright people on the other end of the house right now mm-hmm. as we talk. I hear you talk and I just, I, I'm almost envious of like, you say things like foveal glint and like, I don't even know, is that an F or a PH? Like, you know, <laughs> I've never, and I could talk for hours about stuff like that. I find it so fascinating. Um, I think you're an interesting person and, and you just know a lot. And so I I love I could go down that rabbit hole for hours um, and probably will off mic down the road tonight yes. or some other time.
3: Yes, I'll be sending you some texts.
0: Yeah, I, please do. I also want to know, uh, before we end, your your entry point with EPP and why um, why this project is relevant to you or if it's relevant. I don't want to just assume that. Um, the purpose of the podcast is is to tell the story of Mm -hmm. who we've become in the last 10 years as we Mm -hmm. approach our 10th anniversary next year. And so at what point did you come in? What have you seen? What did you see initially? What have you seen since? Mm -hmm. Uh, what does the project mean
3: to you? Mm, So many good things to unpack there. Um, and, um, I think your mom's pretty smart, too, by the way. She's, she's all right. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I loved talking to your yeah, mom Yeah, you met her tonight. this weekend as well. Oh, yeah. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with her.
0: She listens to these, by the way. So
3: Oh, so hey. We're... Nice to talk to you again. <laughs> um, I thought she sounded really smart, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's my connection to EPP? We'll start mm-hmm. there. There was a few questions there, but that was one of them. My connection to EPP, so I I first read about the Enneagram and learned my type and then had only a passing kind of, uh, you know, a friend had introduced me to it and I learned my type and then I didn't do anything with it. And it was years later that a colleague um, asked me what my type was and then handed me Richard Rohr's Uh, CDs and I listened to them on my commute and all of a sudden the Enneagram mattered to me it was just the right time for me and um, listening to each type on the CDs each day when I was driving to work all of a sudden it was like a map to everything and it unfolded how people see me and um gave me really good insight to how annoying (laughs) and how how obnoxious I could be and um gave me new (laughs) insights too like I need to chill with people (laughs) I could be a lot um it just like started teaching me in a way I was ready to be taught and um so I was just ready I was ready for the Enneagram to teach me and I was ready I was ready to be taught. So I I picked up the Enneagram and then I dove right in like a good seven with full mental gluttony just reading everything <laughs> I could. I love that phrase. Oh, I'm really good at <laughs> mental gluttony. Um reading everything I could, reading all the all the all the books you read when when you're beginning and they were just all so fascinating and amazing and When I find something good and beautiful in the world, I want to bring it to prison. Um, Anything that's healing to those of us that don't live in those walls, if it's healing to us, it's going to be healing on the inside. And so, as is my natural inclination, after I loved the Enneagram, I wanted to get to bring it to the people that live inside the prison. And um, I started to try to write like a class on it and then i'm like i can't do this i'm not an enneagram expert um somebody's got to have done this before and um i just googled the world words enneagram and prison and you know who came up right. enneagram prison project thank goodness they kept the name really on the nose yeah <laughs> it's, it's, the, that's the, how it came up
0: like oh it, prison is our middle name i still say that should be a t-shirt t-shirt. T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That would be a really good
0: t-shirt. Uh, everybody says so. And yet here we are.
3: Um, You know, uh, we you are EPP, so you could make that t-shirt.
0: Uh, you would think so.
3: Well, you can. You can just make it. I could. Make it I hard.
0: could just get a Sharpie and write it on this shirt, to be honest. <laughs> who's going to stop me? There's Sharpies down there.
3: Hey, that's your way to lift the table.
0: <clears throat> hey, there we go.
3: There's the table you can go get. We found it. Yeah. Get your eight momentum going. Um, <laughs> work the Enneagram process. Um, so... I Googled it, and uh, Enneagram Prison Project came up. What year was this? Gosh, I don't even know. I, w- I was asked that a couple times.
0: I mean, so it's in, it's in the last decade.
3: I'm going to say like 2017, 2018.
0: Okay. So pretty recently, the last three or four years. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. And um, I called EPP, the number on the website. and
0: People still make phone calls out here in the future.
3: Yeah, they yeah, we did. I used this thing called a phone. Yeah, it's I, wild. Well, there. Yeah. Who so did I, you
0: get when they answered? Was it a voicemail or was it an actual person? I got. Hi, you've reached the Inneagram I got project.
3: voicemail. Okay. Numerous times, <laughs> and then one day, and uh, I think Susan and I both feel like it's just kind of sort some sort of universal mm-hmm. universe momentum force that occurred. We could say divine uh, intervention, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I kept calling, and. um when the next time I called, I didn't get voicemail, I got Susan Olesic herself. And I think she was a little startled because it somehow had r- rang to what she calls the bat phone, mm-hmm. which is the one that rings directly to her. Yeah, And she said, uh, um, and <laughs> she's like, it rang the bat phone. I just was uh, caught unawares. And I, you know, I said, hey, I work in this prison. I identified myself. Yep. And I said, I love the Enneagram, and I really, really want you to come do a program here. And um, I think we were on the phone maybe an an hour or two.
0: Susan doesn't do 10-minute chats.
3: I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I can if we have to, but But I don't want to, and neither does she. And I just, I fell in love with the Enneagram Prison Project, and I could really feel how great EPP is. I could feel it. And... Uh, she ended up saying, I just kept thinking, are you real? Yeah. Are you real? Uh, I can hear it. And um, I didn't have that thought because I was just so in love with the whole program and with how substantive she felt and how solid she felt. And I could really feel that. Um, But I have been amazed ever since. I I get to now have the, um, I guess it's a, She had it first, but now I keep having that feeling like, you are real. You are real, and this is really happening. This is amazing stuff. Um, So we had this beautiful talk, and um, I was just about to leave uh, for a vacation to Europe, and she didn't know that, and she was saying, well, our programs are in, and she started listing the prisons and Mm -hmm. jails that they were in, and she said, "Uh, we're in the U.K., we're in Belgium, And I was going to the UK and Belgium the following week. Nice. So it felt like I'm supposed to go see these programs. Did you go? I did. No way. And the first Enneagram prison project I saw...
0: Was on the other side of the world.
3: That's right. Across the pond.
0: Was it UK or Belgium?
3: Both. I went to UK first. Which was
0: first? Okay, UK.
3: And then I went to Belgium. So... Um, that's a tr-
0: I didn't know that, by the way. Uh, uh-huh. I might have heard that at some point and yeah. didn't store it Yeah. properly, but that's, I didn't know that.
3: Jean-Philippe took me to three prisons in, in Belgium.
0: Jean-Philippe, for those who don't know, is a warden at a prison in, oh, in, in, uh, in Belgium. and.
3: Just the greatest. Absolutely. Viba drove me from Paris to Belgium.
0: How long is that? That's a hike, I bet.
3: I don't know, but I, I asked her so many questions the yeah. whole ride. Yeah. It was beautiful
0: that's that's wild yeah just the way that that all lined up and that oh by the way i'm already planning to go there
3: i mean i was i was gonna be there in a week and so we did that and then the next time i saw um uh the enneagram prison project it was in the prison system where i work okay i'm not at my prison but at a different one gotcha and then um it was after that that we we all got it together to get them in our our prison
0: and so are we there now? Yeah,
3: you've been there. That's not you personally. But well, of EPP. course, I
0: could come, by the way. Am I invited?
3: Yes. We just have to get you gate clearance. Okay.
0: How, do they... We'll talk separately okay. about that process. Well, well, I'm down and I'm down and I know that there's, uh, you know, book clubs and other stuff that we like, we wouldn't even have to be any grammar related. Like I, I would, I would love to just, I'm down. All that. Uh, yeah. The
3: offer is extended. We will make that happen. Does
0: COVID get in the way of that or are things open back up ish? It is. <clears throat>
3: it's opening back up now. Okay. The world is coming back in.
0: How long is the process? Like, who, you know, once I do, like, hey, can I come in from that point to when I get to go there?
3: It's hard to generalize. It depends on law you do good
0: at that you do like when there's not like a safe like specific answer you're really good at did you do any like law school and you're because i know you have a very <laughs> extensive education right anybody with doctor before their name didn't just graduate high school and quit was there any do you and it's funny to ask that question that way but i'm actually curious did do you do you learn like are you just really good at this like talking or do you were there actually classes along the way to say here's how you're to be more awesome at that.
3: Well, by the way, you're also really awesome at talking. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I think I always loved speech and debate. Um, oh, okay. I was interested in becoming an attorney at first. Um, in high school, I, I was interested in becoming an attorney um, and kept the, the interest in criminal justice. Yeah. But I found myself um, wanting to know why people did what they did. Yeah. More so than wanting to argue um, a certain point. Plus, I didn't want to. I didn't want the strength of my argument to decide whether somebody went to prison or not.
0: That's a because
3: I feel like I could win a lot of arguments.
0: Yeah. So you were you were drawn (laughs) to the criminal defense specifically, not just law in general.
3: Well, uh, or
0: either side. You were you were you probably could have done the the prosecution side too, huh?
3: Well, when I I was in high school, I was on the mock trial team. Yeah. And our. preceptors, our practicum coaches, I don't know what you'd call them, our coaches, they were from the prosecutor's office. Okay. And I was probably more drawn to defense than prosecution. Um, And I was worried um, as I talked to them, like, well, what if they had gone through this or that? And yeah. then, you know, you argue well and you win your case, you know, in the adversarial process. What if you don't think they should go? And, you know, your, your job as an attorney would be to argue the case to the best of your ability. To win. To win. And, um, you know, the, the courts is a whole other subject, and I'm yeah. going to leave that alone right now. <laughs> um, but it just wasn't the right path for me, is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, and the part I wanted to play was how did they come to be in that position, that day, that night, that moment? And will their worst mistake define them for the rest of their lives? Yeah. And can it be undone? Not not the hurt they caused, because that is a restorative justice that has to occur for the rest of their life, and some things you can never undo, right? I agree. But does it serve anything for them never to get better? Does that help anybody if they don't ever get better? So... Um, that's the long answer is no, I didn't have any law training other than mock trial in high school yeah. to answer your question. Um, but you know, being in correctional psychology or forensic psychology, and I was an expert witness. Um, so that's a kind of, uh, oration you have to do when you testify, but, yeah. um, as a forensic examiner. So, um, but even in corrections, there's an intersection of criminal justice and psychology.
0: It's so fascinating, and I don't know that I would have ever gone down the route anyways even if if i had righted my train early enough but i'm always, I'm just fascinated by people who can be that good and that informed and that educated and that just capable in that whole i don't know i find it I, I find it fascinating I wish I knew that about the the mock trial uh
3: you would have been phenomenal
0: i i would have i would have prepared something for this conversation like I would have like thrown out like nah. a little fake <laughs> thing i think i probably you know anything i don't know i I feel like i'm good at bullshitting which is it's which is is it is it bad that i think that that would have given me an advantage
3: well i guess the question to ask yourself about that is how do you define that right what is the definition of bsing because i think (sighs) that's where you find the, the finesse of debate
0: i think to me like if i know or if i believe like, I don't know. I just picked something random in the room here, like the fireplace. Like, it's not a real fireplace. I know enough about it to know that the fire, that's real fire, but it's not actual wood burning, it's gas. And then there's a fan you can turn on to, like, blow mm-hmm. hot air. If we were talking about the fire, I feel like I could read your knowledge of this mm-hmm. fire and then use your lack of knowledge against you. hmm and I think that's what bullshitting is, hmm. because I'm taking I'm not trying to sell you something that's not real. You know, I'm trying to manipulate your lack of information and it's a very
3: and idiosyncratic definition of bullshit.
0: I don't know what that means.
3: <laughs> it's a unique way to define it. I wouldn't okay. have thought of defining that term that way.
0: What what do you think would be a typical way of of defining bullshitting? <laughs>
3: love that this is what we're asking yeah um i told you
0: there's no rules it's we can do fantastic it not- well
3: and because i'm also trying to track all of the questions that we didn't yeah just ask so that i could go back to them if necessary i'm Part like okay two. we're on this there's this thread and this thread and this thread, <laughs> and this thread and this thread to go back to okay so the question at hand is how do i define bullshitting yeah um i think there's a f- I would say the proto- the idealized cognitive model of bullshitting, which is like the central prototypical, would be that you don't know what you're talking about and you act as if you do. Gotcha. That's what I would have said I thought the definition was. Okay. That's like the idealized cognitive model of it. That makes sense.
0: Uh, I can get down with that too, by the way.
3: By the way, I'm going to send you that book if you have never read it. George Lakoff.
0: I meant, sign me up.
3: Uh, It's called Women, Fire, and Dangerous Things because it's a word that means all those things. Anyway, so like the, I I have to tell you this now because I know you're going to appreciate it. So there's a prototypical definition of something in your head. So think bird.
0: Okay, there.
3: Okay. And that bird has certain qualities traits uh aspects in your in your head but a penguin is a bird a turkey is a bird there's lots of different kind of birds and it goes out in a continuum
0: i want you to get to my bird. see how many birds it takes
3: yeah and it becomes less bird-like <laughs> yeah to your prototypical Mostridge, bird in some, yeah penguin. so so the idealized cognitive model of bullshit would have been you don't know what you're talking about but you spin it like you do
0: fascinating that's actually probably, I would, if you told me that first instead of asking me, I would have said, yeah, of course, that's bullshit.
3: And yeah. yours was, say it again.
0: Using your lack of knowledge. It's the, it's the flip side of that. Mm-hmm. I, where you're saying the prototypical would be me not knowing, mm-hmm. but trying to pretend that I do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And m- what I'm saying is, you don't know. Maybe I and don't know. And you're going to
3: exploit it. Yeah. So I would consider that. The, a critical thinking and identification of the weakness in my argument is what you're doing mm-hmm. so that you can then seek to ex- exploit to persuade right yeah. so you're, you're examining the weakness in my argument and it might yeah. be identifying the areas you think i don't know what i'm talking about
0: right or just testing one thing that you weren't positive or mm-hmm. weren't sure or where your argument argument was weak mm-hmm. or whatever or like this is how, this is like a fun thing to do with mm-hmm. r- with religion where And I could do this with a, with a believer or an atheist. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's to say absolutely that God is real or God is not real. I can poke holes in either side mm-hmm. of that because ultimately you're talking about faith. And you can't prove scientifically, in my belief at least, that you, that you can't prove any of it. That's mm-hmm. what faith is. And so it's, fun, it's just fun to me yeah. to poke holes in people's stories and to reveal to them this is not fact.
3: Is it also fun to take an idea... And argue both sides of it in your head. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: If you said right now, exactly. either way, yeah. I am. I believe in God. I don't believe in God. I'm fully prepared for both fights.
3: So you would have Because been, it's fun. You would have been a superstar on the speech and debate team, by the way, because that's literally the job. That um, The job is...
0: Can I go back to high school and do that now?
3: No, but you know what? We can have an EPP <laughs> speech and debate club. I'm here oh, for God. it. I'm is, ready. We I'll, could
0: have the ambassador olympics yes we should and that would be good grief. okay i
3: think that that should be at the next picnic
0: you want at the next picnic instead of us getting up there and talking yes. lovey-dovey stuff you want us to argue
3: no i want the lovey-dovey stuff cuz i i'm here for that okay and by the way it was all very beautiful um i i need that but the uh, speech and debate by the way is not arguing yeah, in my okay. book okay it is um, mental Gymnastics, mental agility—it's mental yeah. Olympics. Right? Yeah, I'm down. Plus,
0: are you going to facilitate? Yes. What's What's the word? What's the judge called? A facilitator, mediator? What would you if you're the If you're the person running the show, there?
3: Yeah, I'll, I will do that.
0: You'll and you'll come up with a title because I think then we're going to do that. Okay.
3: And I don't I'm think down. I don't think that speech and debate, in my opinion, is um, arguing for argument's sake. I think it's. um, not only a persuasive art but it's hearing each other cuz the only way you can the only way you can win that is by hearing the other person truly listening to it yeah metabolizing it taking it in and then giving a counterpoint
0: and then using it against them
3: well in clay's <laughs> <laughs> to speak to clay's definition of bullshit exactly but but yeah i mean to to take in what they say and hear to really hear them you you can't debate somebody properly if you haven't listened to them
0: i love i love that sentence and i swear i will put that on a t-shirt too you can't properly debate someone unless you hear them that's right i love that
3: now you've got two t-shirts to make
0: i have so many t-shirts you have no <laughs> idea let me go through the list of t-shirts and then we're, we're gonna wrap it up we're over an hour by the way it probably didn't feel like no. it but we're no. so there's epp prison is our middle name that's right um there's epp uh hippie bullshit that's from a what? <laughs> yeah that's no hippie shit hippie shit hippie shit not just hippie shit that's from the last episode you'll listen to it on the flight home okay. it's episode seven okay. you'll feel said a funny thing and that's the new shirt um there's um there's so there's so many i i could there's every time i think that's cute i'll be a t-shirt and i just say it so now there you go there's we have a new t-shirt every that's the goal every episode it's really the whole the whole point of the podcast is a marketing ploy to find t-shirts and merch (laughs) it's really all it's about
3: (laughs) are you going to monetize this merch for charity we're
0: going to have a a t-shirt with ostriches and penguins (laughs) and then it's going to say epp and then on the back it's just going to say birds nobody will know what the hell it means (laughs) And they'll and they'll just have to figure out and then we'll have one that says foveal glint. Like we're it's so we're the, <laughs> oh, Clay, it's I, been so good talking to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I have a question and then I have an invitation and okay. we'll and I think you half ass already answered the question. How how's this been? I so I told you fifteen or twenty minutes and we're an hour deep. How has it been for you?
3: Um Well, We talked about things that are really important to me, people I care about. I hope I've done them justice. Uh, That's the thing, when you asked me to do this, I guess my first experience of it was, what, really, why? Why why, why are you asking me to talk on your podcast? Well, you're
0: a rock star, by the way, to to the ambassadors and to Aww. a lot of the people who know you. So to us, it's like a no brainer. And everybody I mentioned to is like, fuck, obviously, yes, definitely. Robin included. Get, yes. Take her. Up to, yeah.
3: That's so sweet. So it's such a no brainer. Well, I, I, would, I would not have known that. So thank you. I'm going to yeah. take that compliment in and put it deep in my heart. So I really do appreciate that. And thank you. It does feel good to be seen. Um. And uh, I didn't know I'd achieved rock star status, so that's very exciting. Um, so my first thought was, really? what I, You're asking me to be on a podcast? And I just heard how great your podcast is <laughs> literally right before that. <laughs> and so I, I feel like I haven't – it's like I'm the only one that hasn't seen Friends or something. Yeah. So now i I got to listen to your podcast for. I can't wait to hear all the episodes. So I felt honored by your request. I really did. And how has it been for me? I, the thing I was nervous about, because I told you, I'm now that you've asked me, I'm nervous. Beyond the, like, just, you know, personal butterflies, you don't want to... I, I didn't... I don't want to not do justice to something so important. And I care so much about it that... I don't want to trivialize, I don't want to sensationalize um, and I don't, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the people that people sometimes don't think are people. And I want to remember both their victims for them, with them, which honors the victims and their struggles, but I want to also honor the people that sometimes people don't even think of as people. And I I just didn't want to mess up.
0: I am comfortable saying that you did not mess up.
3: (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) And thank you.
0: Thank you again. I, there's two things that I don't do. There's a lot of things I don't do. Two things I don't do with the podcast. I don't introduce people and I don't take the last word. So Mm -hmm. I want to give you the last word. I'm going to shut up and just Give you all the time, anything that's on your mind that we didn't get to. Mm. Anything you'd like to share, say, or not say, whatever. There's no time limit. Uh, It's all yours. And I'll just sit here and listen.
3: I feel great gratitude. I feel great gratitude for um, living the life that I live. I feel very blessed to know all of you um, and to be part of Everything we're all doing in the world. And I just want more of this for everyone. And it sounds trite as I say it, but if, um, if people could feel what I feel, they'd know that. Um, we just need more of this in the world more honest conversations, more listening to each other, more appreciating each other's divine gifts and mirroring it back to each other.
0: Thanks to the generosity of a donor just like you, on Giving Tuesday, EPP is doubling the impact of every donation, dollar for dollar, up to $100,000. Funds will support EPP's ability to expand our programming, including piloting our eight-module curriculum with those experiencing incarceration at facilities and in regions that are new to us. For more information and to make a gift, check us out online at EnneagramPrisonProject.org.